friends, 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 friends. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this. If you're on the way to work or you are doing the washing up, it is really, really good uh, to have you with me. I, I love spending this time with you, and you guys are so polite in your lovely responses back about this podcast. Um, so thank you so much for spending this time. My name is Chris. If we've not met before, Chris Rogers, I am your host. I'm a vicar in East London. I chair Spring Harvest, the event that happens every Easter here in the UK. And uh, I love making these podcast episodes for you, each week looking at a different aspect of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Today's episode is a continuation just looking at the Bible. Uh, Why do I keep looking at the Bible? Well, as a part of the work that I do, I run something called um, wearemakingdisciples.com. It's a, it's a website on discipleship, and in that you can do an assessment tool. And we've had thousands upon thousands of people use that assessment tool. And what comes out really strongly, particularly nationally in the UK, is that Bible literacy is really low. There are a lot of disciples of Jesus that are not being discipled by the book. They're being discipled by opinion or discipled by their local church's opinion rather than going to the book. The scriptures, the Bible, well, that's the meat. That's what we need to be going to, to learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, But we're not going there. We're just not going there. We're not people are not reading their Bible very often. In fact, what we tend to think is most people only read the Bible on a Sunday when they go to church, or a little hit and miss uh, if they look something up on their phone. Uh, many Christians now are just reading one line of scripture on Instagram, piece you know a piece of scripture a day, uh, you know just a verse or two long, and that's about it. Now let's be honest, that that is great. I uh, yes 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 for those that are doing that, but that's just the first step on the runner uh, on the on the ladder. Sorry of what it means to read the Bible. You know, this book is a gift to us to explore what it means to follow Jesus. So the reason we're looking at this uh, Bible question today and continuing looking at the Bible is I just want to encourage you um, that to be a disciple of Jesus, the book, people of the book, uh, is is where we're going to learn so much about what it means to be attentive to and to follow Rabbi Jesus. You can pick up some good ideas from church. You can pick up good ideas from other Christians. But unless you go into the book, it's all secondhand information. And uh, God wants us to know more about him than just secondhand information. He wants us to know him and his ways. So today we're going to be looking at this topic of the reason you struggle reading the Bible. The reason you struggle reading the Bible. Um, And hopefully you'll find this helpful uh, and inspiring. And I'm really hoping, if nothing else, it might start to get you thinking a little bit more about how you might engage with the Bible. And when you do engage with the Bible, what do you do with it uh, once you've got it uh, in your hands? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Friends, if you find this episode helpful then I would really love to ask you if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or something like that give it a like Um, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you get in it uh, each week your subscription and you liking the podcast is really helpful um, because it just helps more people find the podcast if they go to their regular podcast app and they type in discipleship it's more likely they'll find making disciples on that list uh, if you have liked it and shared it and subscribed Uh, so please do that it really does help us and just make it clear the reason why I say that is not because we want people to uh, know the podcast 
Um, what we're interested in is more people coming to know Jesus and being discipled in the way of Jesus and knowing that following Jesus is life-giving. It's not a curse on them. It's not something that's so heavily burdened some that they just can't do it. Um, being a follower of Jesus is life-giving and hopefully that's what you find in this podcast. It's something that's life-giving. So let's jump in as we discuss this topic today, the reason you struggle reading the Bible. So let's discuss this, the reason you struggle reading the Bible. I think there are three reasons behind your struggle or our struggle in reading the Bible. So I'm going to give my three reasons. And then what I'd love you to do is comment on this episode. Tell me what you think are the reasons why you struggle reading the Bible. Uh, have you got an observation? Have you ever thought about what it is that's causing you to just not get into the book regularly? Uh, so I'd love you to put in the comments what it is for you i'd love to see that and i'd love to later on maybe do an episode drawing upon some of the things that you think are your reasons why you think we don't get into the bible but here are my three reasons that i think we struggle number one i think it's simply that we don't understand it uh believing that the bible is too hard or it's just too much for us uh to understand it and we just don't bother and we give up uh if you're reading something that's too complicated, uh, you can very quickly go, oh, I don't get this, and just put it down. Uh, I know if I pick up a Haynes car manual and try to read a Haynes car manual, it is just not the way that my brain is wired. And it'd be so easy for me to say, oh, this is just too complicated. I'm not going to read this. I'm going to put it down. Uh, and we do the same with the Bible. Uh, we just think we don't understand it. It's too complicated, and therefore it's too much, and therefore I'm not going to look at it. Friends, if you don't understand what type of book you are reading, then you are going to get confused. If you don't understand that you are reading a dictionary and you're reading this page, go, well, this is just boring. It's not going anywhere. Of course it's not. You're reading a dictionary. If you're reading a Haynes car manual and you think, oh, the plot on this thing is just rubbish. Of course it is. You're reading a Haynes car manual. Uh, so you need to understand what you're reading, what type of book you are reading. And the Bible is not one book. It is 66 books, and it is made up of many different kinds of books, and letters and descriptive history books and biographies and songbooks and poetry books. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then I'd love you to listen to the last episode, the previous episode, looking at how you might understand some of these genre pieces of the Bible. The Bible is made up of lots of different things. It's, it is literally biography and letters and history and songbooks and prophetic texts. So to understand what you're reading really, really can help you. I gave somebody permission recently who was really struggling to read the Bible. I said, look, don't read the Old Testament. Go straight to the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and then read the book of Acts and then come back to me and we'll talk about what's next. And they came back to me going, oh, that was so good reading about Jesus. I was like, of course it is. And they said, oh, well, I've, I'd started reading the Bible and I just kept getting stuck at Leviticus. My gosh, you are going to get stuck in Leviticus. It's not a book for you. It's a book for priests to understand what it means to run a traveling tabernacle and a traveling priesthood in the wilderness. It's not for you. It's not going to be helpful to you right now. So thinking that you don't understand it, sometimes it can be because you, you don't know what you are reading. So I'll explain a little bit, bit more about that in a little while just to help us understand what we might be reading. But you don't read it because you, you oh, I don't understand it. This is way too complicated. And I'm just going to put it down. The second reason that you might not read the Bible is that you just don't prioritize it. Um, making the Bible a habit of reading uh, and choosing to re regularly read your Bible um, 
is something that that we should and you know be helpful for us to do but it doesn't make it onto our to-do list and it rather than it being something that we prioritize it ends up being something that we put at the end of our to-do list and we just never get round to it um I used to say reading the Bible at night was the best time for me to read the Bible. I used to you know, love reading it before bedtime. It is not a good time any longer. Not for years has it been helpful for me to read it in the evening. I need to be reading it uh, in the day uh, when I'm alert and I can think about what it said. Actually, one of the best times that I find now reading the Bible is actually on the tube. So I put my headphones in and I'm reading the Bible and I love having a highlight pen and highlighting it. And just uh, there's something about the white noise of the tube and the white noise of everybody around me that I don't have to engage with them. Just sitting there on a long tube ride and having maybe 50 minutes to an hour on reading a passage. I find that really, really helpful. But that's not everybody's commute and that's not my everyday commute. But finding those times when you can really prioritize reading it. And one of the things I've recognized, friends, is this. The evil one loves to make me busy. And the busier I am, the more I push God out. And the more I push God out, the more I don't know God's will in my life. The evil one loves for us to be busy. So prioritizing the Bible actually works against the schemes and the plan of the evil one. To prioritize it, maybe put a time in your diary uh, to really focus on the Bible. Um, so I I have this privilege, and it's not for everybody, but I have a privilege that on Thursday mornings I block it, block it out for study time. It's my time to really you know, have a good bit of a Bible study time. Uh, and really get into something and go on a bit of an adventure with the Bible. Not everybody can do that. Um, I'm aware of that, but, the, but that may be your Saturday morning. It might be something that you're able to find some time to do maybe on a Sunday. I don't know what your diary is like, but finding a slot that you can put in there. Uh, you know, I work Sundays. Uh, I'm working most of the week. So to block out just a bit of time on a Thursday, is the last work day of the week I'm able to put that in. I found that really, really helpful. To to, to make a plan to, to read it uh, could be really helpful for you prioritizing it. So you don't understand it. You don't prioritize it. The third reason I think that you may struggle reading the Bible is this. Uh, you treat it as a chore. Uh, viewing the Bible or viewing you reading the Bible as a task, not a privilege. Uh, there's a danger that when you see it's something you have to do rather than a privilege you enjoy, you see it as a chore, something that's got to be done. Nobody loves doing chores. So you grumble about it and you don't want to do it. Francis, I want to remind you that it wasn't that many generations ago uh, when the only time you could read the Bible was when it was being read to you and somebody would read it to you in church because uh, getting hold of a copy of the Bible of your own, uh, that, that was not a known thing. That didn't happen before the invention of the printing press unless you were so wealthy you could absolutely write it out for you. And that's not most of us. So most of us would only ever read the Bible when it was being read to us in that sense of community. We now get to have the mobile phone, uh, the Bible on our mobile phones. Uh, we get to have a Bible on our bookshelf. Uh, you know, the Bible has never been more accessible than it is today, but but at the same time, it has not been. Uh, you know, it's not been um, as well read as it has in the past. Uh, so you know, just because it's more accessible doesn't mean we're reading it. Uh, so why? Because we treat it like a chore. It's something that's got to. It's just got to happen. Um, and in some ways, it should be something that's just got to happen. Uh, but it's got to be something that happens that is a privilege and a joy getting to read from this beautiful book uh, that has been crafted for us by different people who have encountered God in different ways and have chosen to write it down. So the three reasons I think that we struggle to read the Bible is you know, we struggle because we just don't understand it. 
we haven't had it explained to us. Uh, we don't prioritize it. It's not high on our priority list. On number three, we treat it as a chore, something that, that we don't really want to do, a little bit like cleaning. Um, but, you know, we've got to just find the time for it, and I don't really want to. So there are three reasons I think we struggle uh, to read the Bible. I'd love to know what you think are the reason uh, that you don't read the Bible if it's different to that. So just going back to this, I don't understand it thing. I just don't understand it. How can I help you understand the Bible better? Hey, I just want to walk through um, seven different things here um, that I think could be really helpful for you in understanding uh, the Bible. So let me just fly, fly through these for you. To understand the Bible, you need to be aware of, number one, the writer. Every book of the Bible has been written by a different writer. And, and because it's written by a different writer, there's different things being said by them. So to understand who did God use to write this book can be really helpful, knowing that half the Psalms are written by King David when he was still a shepherd. Um, understanding that the Gospels were written by people that either had met Jesus or, or had researched him as historians, people that had gone to find the truth about who Jesus is. So to understand who the writer was. Now, some of the books of the Bible, it's, it's impossible to know. So let's just talk about Exodus for a second um, or Genesis for a second. Those two books are quite helpful. Um, traditionally, we are told that Moses wrote them. But what's interesting is Moses dies in the Exodus story uh, and the story continues after him. So how could he have written it? Because he was dead uh, in that story. Um, tradition says Moses wrote uh, quite a significant chunk of the first five books of the Bible. But actually, the dating of them, it doesn't really add up. Uh, we actually don't think the New Testament was written at the time of Moses. We actually think it was written uh, somewhere in the region about a thousand years before Jesus, which is a little bit later. Now, the reason for that is because it was passed on orally. So these stories were passed on. And actually, uh, if you look at the book of Genesis for a moment, the book of Genesis isn't one writing style. It isn't written as one style from beginning to end. Genesis chapter one is written like a poem. Genesis chapter two is written like a narrative and story. Uh, so actually, some of these books of the Bible were put together a bit piecemeal. Uh, this bit from here and this bit from here. Uh, and then we end up with the book as it's, as it's printed in our Bibles. So to understand who wrote it can be really helpful to understand that John wrote the book of Revelation. Well, who is John? What did John do? So number one, one way of you know, being able to get into the Bible and understand it a bit more is understanding who wrote it. Second, to understand who the audience was. Who was it being written about and who was it being written for? And this can be really helpful. Who was it written for? So if you're reading some of Paul's writings in the New Testament, his letters, to understand that Paul is writing to a specific church at a specific time with specific issues can help you understand what is it that Paul is trying to say. Uh, too often, people just read Paul's letters verbatim uh, from a Western context, and we take out of those letters what we think Paul is saying from our Western context, and we create theology from them, and then we go, oh, but Paul says this. But if we understand the context that they were written into, we might actually understand them slightly differently, that he might be speaking to a specific scenario and a specific issue at that specific time. So... Who wrote this book and who was it being written for? Uh, those two questions can really, really help you understand it. So let's look at Leviticus for a moment. 
who wrote Leviticus? Well, it's written by some very intelligent writer uh, who was literally writing up the law as it had come to the Jewish people. It's probably written by somebody uh, that had a priestly background uh, and, it, and it's really written for the priests. Therefore, if you're reading that, to know that the audience is, a, is for the Jewish people and specifically for the Jewish priests, it might help you then think, well, actually, is this for me? Is this for me? Let's talk about the Psalms for a moment. David writes the Psalms and he's writing these songs about who God is. Who is the audience? Well, the audience was the people that were going to sing those Psalms and read out those Psalms, God's people. Therefore, does the Psalms connect with us? Totally, because we are God's people. So you can read the Psalms uh, and they really mean something to you because they were written for that corporate worship very often. So understanding the writer and understanding the audience is really important, uh, which then also links on to understanding the purpose of the writing. So if you know that Paul is writing a letter, then you know the purpose of that letter was to be read by the people that were receiving it. Uh, the New Testament uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the purpose behind them was to tell people about who Jesus is. And because you know that's the purpose behind it, you could read it and go, oh, this is going to tell me about who Jesus is. So understanding the purpose. So let's go back to Leviticus for a moment. I keep using Leviticus because it's a really good example. What's the purpose of the book of Leviticus? Well, this was the purpose was a text that would help the people of God know what it meant to have a travelling tabernacle in the wilderness, what it looked like to set themselves up as the people of God in the wilderness. So when it says things like, uh, if you get mould in your tent, burn it, uh, knowing that the purpose is a wilderness people, travelling people in the wilderness, that means that when you read that and go, oh my gosh, I've got mould on my tent, it may have a different meaning today you may choose to not accept that line from the bible that says you, you have, you've got mold in your tent get rid of your tent because you're like hang on that was written for a specific era and a specific group of people of which i'm not one of them let me give you another couple of examples here i love the book of job and i love the book of esther book of job and book of esther are two storybooks telling us about the life of job and telling us about the life of queen esther Job's wife and children all die in disasters. Esther ends up saving her people from a cruel dictatorship. Two beautiful stories, both written with some bizarre humour in them. And, you know, Job, my favourite line in the book of Job, it says, who let the donkeys go free? Who did that? Um, I love it in Esther, you've got some wonderful comedy uh, where there are gallows created that are four or five times bigger than what any human gallows would be needed. There's humour in these two books. So to understand the purpose of a book in the Bible can really help you read it and understand it. So let me tell you the purpose of the book of Job and the purpose of the book of Esther, because it is not what many Christians know or understand. One of the ways that the Jewish people taught about God and the way of God and allowed conversation around the way of God uh, was things to be written down as history that would be read. They also wrote performances and plays that would be performed. And during this, the uh, Jewish festival of Purim, they performed the book of Esther as a stage play. The book of Esther uh, was crafted as a comedy and it was crafted as a funny tale about God's people uh, being liberated from this oppressive um, Persian uh, people. And 
the book of Esther in the original Hebrew is funny. It's not funny in the English because it doesn't translate very well. But the book of Esther's purpose was a stage performance. Let me just talk to you about Job for a minute. The book of Job tells the story of Job losing his wife and his family and the conversations between Job and his friends and between God and the devil. And if you just read it as a story in the English, it's quite hard going. But if you understood it as a stage play that was performed in the street and that each character of the story would stand up on the stage, they'd deliver their lines and then they would sit down and the next character would get up. So these little monologues. And if you understood the book of Job's purpose was to allow God's people to wrestle through why is there suffering in the world? Therefore, if you know the purpose of it was a street play to propose that God was in control and the evil one was the one that caused suffering uh, it will you know it will help you understand what you do with the book of Job it's not a story to read from beginning to end and analyze over each word because it's a stage play to be performed so is the book of Esther and therefore the purpose of those two books changes how you might read it you might read it as a play rather than reading it as as a story or reading it where you analyze every other word and pulling out the Greek or sorry, the Hebrew um, and understanding what's that word mean. You might not do that because you know that this is just a play and it's the overall narrative that's meant to compel you. So, friends, these three areas of the writer, the audience and the purpose um, can really help you understand what you are reading. The fourth one that I'm going to give you that might help you is understanding the context. What's the historical context? So if you're reading, say, the book of uh, Nehemiah and understanding the context that he is in Persia, in a place called Susa, that's a wealthy city, that his his city, Jerusalem, has been destroyed uh, by the people that are now oppressing him or, or paying him at least. Uh, to understand the context that story is setting can change everything the context the location 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 can change how you read that book to understand uh that, that a book of the bible may be written to speak into a specific context and a specific people group uh, that con that play that location can really help you so understanding that the gospels were written about a group of people who were fishermen in galilee all centered around a lake uh, all working class people and the context was of a rabbi traveling rabbi uh, in the the desert the Judean desert and the surrounding Galilean area that can really help you understand what is it that you are reading uh, and same you can do with the Old Testament as you look at some of the the um, minor prophets so understanding um, what they believed about religion what they believed about marriage what they believed about clothing what they understood about the place that they live and their behaviors and the way that they act all of that can be really really helpful now understanding the writer the audience the purpose and the context can lead on to the next thing with what i now know about these books that i have just been reading do i take them literally or do i take them symbolically let's go to the book of job for a moment the book of job do you take the book of job literally it's a story of a man who's lost everything and the devil and God are having this conversation about him and will he still worship God if he loses everything? The devil takes everything away from him and he continues to worship God. It is not a story to be taken literally, but it is a story to be taken symbolically. And this is what's really, 
really important and where many Christians get really stuck around the literal and the uh, symbolic. Now what ends up happening is uh, conservative Christians say no it's all going to be taken literally all of it's going to be taken literally then you have liberal Christians who at the other, other end of the scale would say no it's all to be taken symbolically and friends neither of those are right there's a middle ground where some of these things are to be taken symbolically and some of them are to be taken literally uh, you know one of the things I love to talk about is Jesus being the good shepherd are we to take it literally that Jesus was the good shepherd or do we take it symbolically it's a symbolism that, that Jesus was a shepherd he never shepherded sheep as far as we know but he shepherds his people like a shepherd with his sheep so this idea of symbolism is really really important so the book of Job for example you don't take it literally but you take it symbolically now there's things in the book of Job that you can take literally you know that beautiful line that I mentioned earlier who let the donkeys go free the answer is God uh, it reminds me of the song who let the dogs out who 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 and um, who let the donkeys run free God did now that line you can take it literally you know literally God is the one that is in control of the animals but overall as a book you take it symbolically this is where people then get stuck when it comes to things like the book of Genesis and you have a whole conversation around uh, was the world created in seven days or is it seven phases is it to be taken literally or is it to be taken symbolically um, I don't think that the first chapter of Genesis can be taken literally because it's written in symbolic language but does that mean that I do not believe that God didn't create the world in seven days? Not at all. I don't have a problem believing God created the world in seven days. If God is God, then God can do whatever God wants. But I don't think it's a good enough argument to say, well, it says it in Genesis 1, therefore it must be like this. Because the book of Genesis is a symbolic text written as a poem. Now, I do believe that God created the world in seven days. Um, but you've just got to be really careful around how you might go about reading some of these passages of scripture that are purely there um, as symbolism and as poetry, a piece of art. Uh, it's filled full of what is called interpretation, how you may interpret it. Um, was there a literal Adam and Eve? Um, or is that a symbolic thing of God creating mankind, man and woman, in his image? Now, I do believe that God created the world, and I do believe that God created humankind, and I do believe that God is capable of creating a, a first man and a first woman. What's more important to me, though, is this understanding that God is the one that creates. God is the one that is in control. Uh, God is the one that partners with us and invites us in to be partners with him. In the way that God invites Adam and Eve to be partners with him in co is co-conspirators and co-creators in creation. It's a partnership with God. For me, most of the book of Genesis is simply asking the question, how did God's people end up in slavery? And then how did they end up for a second time in exile? 
how did that occur? Well, how did we get here? Why did we keep making the same mistakes over and over? And that's what the book of Genesis does. It answers the question of how did we get in this mess again? For me, the book of Genesis is more important about the why God created rather than the how God created. We literally want to take it literally to understand the how because I think it's symbolic and is about the why why God created now is that me saying that I don't believe Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis 2 and 3 uh, are accounts of what happened I'm not saying that at all but you've just got to tread very carefully if you take those books of the Bible literally because in the original Hebrew quite a lot of that stuff is in poetic language and poetic language in Judaism would usually tell us that this is more it's more important about what what the why is than than the how why are we in this situation to understand why Jews use poetic language uh, when things are to be taken literally it is given as literal language and literal statements whereas if it's poetic it's there to be played with and to, to be debated and discussed so I think there's a middle ground where you don't take it literally every time and symbolically every time, but you carefully listen and say, what is the text that I'm reading? How am I to interpret this today for today? So understanding the right of the audience, the purpose of the uh, and the context can then help you understand, Do I what do I do with this? Do I take it literally? Do I take it symbolically? How do I play with this? How do I understand this? What the tools can I use to understand this? And number six, uh, what would the original definition of those words be? So very often there's a word, uh, you know, let's go back to Genesis for a moment. Every time God creates, he says at the end of that week in the poem, it says this. Uh, and he said, it is good to understand what is the original meaning of the word good. Or what is the original word uh, meaning of the word grace? Or what is the original Aramaic understanding of the word disciple? These, under, you know, understanding the, a key word can be really helpful for you. But finally, I'm going to land with this. The most important thing when it comes to how you may understand the Bible is asking this question. It's about application. Whatever passage of the Bible you read, to ask ourselves, how can I apply this to my day? What changes because I've just read this passage? Um, what does it mean for my day because I've just read this passage? How do I need to act differently because I've just read this passage? When you read a passage of the Bible, to then ask yourself, how am I changed by it, is really important. Really important. How am I changed by this passage? What do I now do differently because this passage is now in my life? What do I now do differently? Because this passage is now in my life. So friends, three thoughts about why we don't read the Bible. I don't understand it. I don't prioritize it. And we treat it as a chore. And hey, how may we go about getting to the point where we do understand it? To understand the Bible, you might need to be aware of the writer, the audience, the purpose and the context. You may need to do some thinking around, is this literal? Is this symbolic? How do I engage with this? Is this a clear statement that I'm to live by? Or is it a poem about something? And then that, what does this mean for us today? What do I do differently? So friends, if you're saying to yourself, yes, Chris, but how do I find out who the writer is, who the audience is, the purpose on the context? How do I find out these things? Then friends, I just want to say, the Bible book by book, it has been voted the best um, Bible resource reference book of the year. 
I love the Bible book. I know I wrote it, but I, we put a lot of time into to really clarifying the Bible for people. So the Bible book by book, an illustrated journey through its people, places, and themes. Uh, you can pick up a copy uh, from any bookshop. Uh, there's definitely links in the show notes, and it has been there every week. I'd love to encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible. If you want somebody to understand the Bible more, get them a copy of the Bible book by book because it really is a great resource to understand who is the writer, what is the audience, what's the purpose and what is the context of this book. In in some of the books of the, the Bible, uh, in there we even talk about do we take this literally or symbolic? What do I do with this? Is this something to uh, take literally, letter of the law, or is it something that is symbolic and is trying to tell me something? Uh, so sometimes that is in there as well. So friends, I hope you find that interesting and helpful the reason you struggle reading the bible in some ways that might be helpful for you i don't want this episode to simply be another episode on the bible friends i would love to encourage you to be opening up your scriptures and reading if you've not read it for a while just go back to the gospels uh, go back to the new testament and uh, find your feet again while reading through the new testament and trust me there is always an application uh, for the day ahead how do I use this passage how does it change my day because I read this passage there's always an application so friends until next time grace and peace have a really good week and I will see you next time